Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, this time in the book of Acts, and Clayton is our comma guy. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back from vacation. We are all... Uh, fresh off of vacation weeks, Eric. so we will hit our we'll hit our stride. Eric is our comma. I am guy. the comma guy. Eric, what are we looking at today? Man, we are in Acts chapter two, and so as always, we're walking through the comma method. The C in the comma method is context. So let's set up a little context. Context tidbit number one: Acts is the second volume of a two-volume work. Luke. The Gospel of Luke is volume one. So Luke wrote Luke Acts. So actually, if you read those two, right one right after the other, it reads really well. And it makes a whole lot of sense. However, when Clayton put together the Bible savvy reading schedule, for some reason he had us oh. go from Second Kings <laughs> well, to Acts. We did read Luke. It was the that was the last New Testament book we read, but it was a long time ago because Kings was long. So that we did we did that around for, for, during Lent and Easter. You had us do first and second Kings together because that is also it's like all one, work. one book. Mm-hmm. And I alternate between Old and New Testament. So we so, did Luke and then we did an Old Testament and then we're going back to the sequel. So how come you how come you split Luke Acts, but you didn't split uh, first and second Kings? Mostly because we try to do the balance of the, the Old and New Testament. But you know, it's it's like a it's like a, a summer movie, right? Like Avengers came out in part one and part two, right? The Infinity War. You know, it's like that kind of a thing. Like you, you Infinity you're, you're, War. Infinity hmm. oh, are you telling me you don't I know Infinity no, the Avengers War. movie. I know Infinity War, but didn't that come out like eight years ago? Yeah, it was a while back, and then they did the part two, like, and like just a few months later. You lost me. Oh gosh, guys, you do not love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I do. I, I enjoy watching them. I don't. I don't technically know them like as well as everybody else. Does. I don't. However. I have one fish in our fish tank at home, and his name is Shang Chi, Legend of the Tank. <laughs> Le- That's his full name. I make people say his full name. Every legend time. of the tank. Yes, Shang Chi, <laughs> Legend of the Tank. There's, there's Skittles is in the tank. Did, did you name these, or did did one of your family members? No, name my them? daughter names all of her fish, but I have one fish in the tank and that you just I got pulled, the name. But I never took you as a Marvel fan. Like, did you happen to like that movie, or you just thought it would be a fun name? I'm a, I thought it's a fun name. I had just watched Shang Chi, <laughs> uh, and but I am kind of tired of Marvel. I feel like the only thing in the movie theaters or in movies in general for the last like three years has been Marvel. I'm like, can anyone come up with a good movie besides Marvel characters? I've, I've kind of gotten- Not that we'll make money. No. Gotten, I've no, gotten tired I'm, of it. I'm more interested in knowing what kind of fish it is. What, what, do you know oh, what kind of fish uh, it is? Oh, I think it's a guppy. It's a guppy. It's a really colorful guppy. Yeah, what color is it? Uh, lots of colors. Oh, it's like, okay, multiple color. Guppy, got it. Were we talking about the Bible? Yes, we were. Okay. Then we started talking about fish. Well, hey, you know what? Jesus was a fisherman, so we're all oh, disciples. Oh, this is getting worse. <laughs> That's the segue. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we were we were well, we're in the context portion. Yes, yes we were. Wow, we're not very far along <laughs> in the old comma method today. All right, context. Luke Acts is one work essentially. So, um, just a reminder here: as we're reading Acts chapter two. Jesus has ascended back to the throne and Clayton actually just preached.
preached on this topic, mm-hmm. the Ascension, uh, this past weekend at church. And now we are looking at the next event in Acts, which is Pentecost, which are two major markers in Christianity. Uh, so uh, reminder here, even, even in the Gospels, Jesus tells the disciples, when he starts telling them about what's about to come in the near future, he tells them, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to come back to life, and I'm going to ascend back from where I came. Uh, that's the ascension. And then he tells them, but this is good. It's better for you if I go because I'm going to send you the helper. And so then you, you get to Acts here. And Jesus tells them in Acts chapter one, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we dial forward now to Acts chapter two, and this is when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. So Clayton is going to read Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native, our, our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to skip down a little bit to verse 36. Basically, the second half of Peter's sermon is explaining that all of this happened because Jesus came and died. He rose again and then ascended to the throne. Uh, And then he concludes by saying this. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. All right, so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observation. So what do you guys see in this text? Um, I think one of the obvious things that we see here is uh, the fact that this uh, the Holy Spirit kind of came as a rushing wind and then kind of made it started to look like little tongues of fire dancing on top of people's heads. It's, it's a very miraculous thing. You know, like uh, this audible and visual uh, happening, I guess you could say. It's pretty, yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome sounding. Yeah, sometimes when I think about the Holy Spirit, I think of the very subtle things, you know, you know, promptings and feelings and those sorts of things. But this is very, very tangible, very, very spe- like out, out there that you can see. Um, I, I observe, uh, well, first of all, the, the day of Pentecost um, that's a that's a, a Jewish holiday. So that that isn't just a, a random like Christian word that we kind of came up with. Um, that was a holiday. It was fifty days after Passover, and people came together. That's part of the reason everybody's gathered at the same time. It wasn't kind of a random gathering. It was a holiday, um, and so they were celebrating. If you look at footnotes, you can find this sort of thing. Um, they were celebrating when Moses went up the mountain and got the got the law from God. You know, God spoke to them uh, then. So I, I find that interesting because when Moses went up on the mountain, there was the thunder and the lightning and all that sort. So there's a little bit of like a little you know, visual of that that feels mm-hmm. similar to this to me. I noticed the word all. They were all together in one place because they mm-hmm. were there celebrating Pentecost. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Uh, we'll see, what else did the other all that popped up? Uh, let's like in that prophecy, it says, yes, yes. Read on all people, yes, and- men and women, like very specifically, like all people, men and women, children, like it's, it's, all it's ages, including, yeah. it's including everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the other interesting thing that's here is all of these people from uh, different nations and places around, uh, we're all gathered here in this, in this spot and then when the Holy Spirit came, these Galileans were all speaking in languages that they could understand. That's another awesome thing, right? Like like languages that they had probably never spoken before, maybe heard, but never spoken before. They were speaking them clear enough to where whatever they were saying, these, these other individuals, these other nations that were there celebrating Pentecost were like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so... What that's a it's a weird thing though like oh it's very weird yeah like it it there's a, there's a reason they react that way what <laughs> Eric's laughing at us like it's <laughs> a weird thing though it is it is a weird thing because <laughs> the like, violent wind the violent wind and the, the tongues fire. of fire resting on their heads you didn't call that weird well but people but speaking people, languages, people languages they've never learned know. that's weird all of it all of it is weird but this spectacular awesome thing that obviously was meant to get people's attention right. But even the fact that they were speaking in different languages, there's some like, uh, I don't know, isn't there like kind of like controversy around this? Like when, when you say like tongues, like speaking in tongues, people like, people don't, people sometimes don't know how to take that. Like, are you speaking some like weird angelic language or are you speaking another language from a different nation that you don't know? Or like there is some, some weirdness to it in that sense as well. 
There is. And we'll talk a little bit about the different versions of theology that come out of the book of Acts a little bit later in the podcast. Um, I always have a curiosity. What were they saying? Yeah. It's the the same curiosity I have. Like when Jesus, remember when it says Jesus wrote in the dust with his finger and and everyone wants to speculate what did he write that caused whatever reaction that he got. I, I, I feel the same thing. Like now, very, very specifically, and I think on purpose, we're not told what they were saying because it's not the point, obviously, of the mm-hmm. text. But wouldn't that be fascinating yeah. to know well, what they were saying? Well, it says they're declaring the wonders of God. Like, you, that's, the only, that's the only description they have. Like, mm-hmm. they're, you know, verse uh, 11 there. But, you, yeah, you want to know specifically, like, what's the message there? What else do you see? Um, I see the reaction of people. So, a few different words here that talk about the reaction. Verse 6, it says they're bewilderment. So, they're confused. 7 says they're ama- utterly amazed. Um, 12 says they're amazed and perplexed. They, they're asking each other, what does this mean? And then of course the, the, the most classic one, eh, they're just drunk, you know, like <laughs> it's it, in some ways the most realistic of like, no, don't ignore that. They're, they're just, you know, hitting the bottle. So the, the confusion and the wonder, um, I, I find that a really actually a refreshing thing because when we encounter things of God, like for my personality, I like things to be explained. I like things to be like predictable and understandable. Like that's just my, like I'm not, I'm not a super spontaneous person, but there is something about um, the way the spirit moves that can evoke for us. It's not, it's not weird that we look at that and say, I'm, I'm confused and I'm amazed. Like there's, there's something startling. There's something unexpected uh, when the spirit moves. And I, I think of um, like when Jesus talks about the spirit, it's like, He's like a wind. You can't really contain him, control him. You can't predict where it's going to go. Um, he does what he wants. Um, and there's there's something to their reactions that fit uh, the way the spirit moves. Yeah, and I like Peter gets super practical though in verse 15. He's like, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Come back at two in the afternoon. <laughs> Might see a different. That is a weird conclusion. There's the word weird. If you hear a bunch of people who you deem uneducated, like you're thinking there's no way these people have learned all these languages and they're speaking languages that you don't think they have learned. How would your conclusion be that the only way they're doing that is because they're drunk? I'll have, I'll have that drink, right? Has, like, like, has anyone ever ordered a beer and drank a beer and then all of a sudden could speak Spanish or Italian or that doesn't make they any might sense think to they me. Can. <laughs> they might think they can. That's a good point, Nikki. All right, another 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 weird one. So I'm looking at um, this prophecy. So Peter stands up and he he says, "There's an explanation for this, guys. It's it was predicted by the prophet Joel that one day the Spirit would come on you know all of God's people." But at the end of that passage, he quotes like the first half. It's like, yeah, the Spirit's going to come and old men, young men, all this stuff. That that I'm kind of tracking with that. I get to verse 19 and 20, and it says. Uh, I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, sun turned to darkness, moon to blood, the great and glorious day of the Lord. Like it's, it, it feels like it suddenly shifted. Like I'm like, if you were there at Pentecost, you would have seen the first half. The second half, you'd been like, what are we talking about? Smoke and blood and what's going on? So you guys make of that. Yeah, so the first few verses in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, which is what is going on on the day of Pentecost. Young men will see visions, old men dream dreams. That all seems very literal. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Okay, so let's try to make some sense of this. The great and glorious day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is always referring to final judgment when Jesus comes back the second time. And so if you hear the day of the Lord, you're thinking judgment, you're thinking wrath, like that's when we all give an account. So, yes, yeah, so you, you listen to Peter preaching this and he's quoting the prophet Joel. Some of it is explaining what is happening that day. Like, let me, because Peter says, let me explain this to you. So let me explain to you what's happening. The Holy Spirit has been poured out, just like Joel said. So that's what you're seeing. But he's not only talking about that day. So if, if this was a video podcast, I'd draw this on a whiteboard, but we really can't draw it on a whiteboard. So if you think about, Think about standing on a mountaintop, okay? And you're looking out towards the horizon and there is another mountaintop about, I don't know, let's just say a mile away from you. And then past that mountain, another mile past that mountain is another mountain. So you're standing on mountaintop number one, there's mountaintop two and mountaintop three. As you look out, you can see the mountaintops, but you can't see necessarily all the space between the mountains. Sometimes you have to do that when you're thinking about time in the Bible. So Joel is talking about this whole period of time from the time that Jesus came the first time, was crucified on the cross, uh, comes back to life, ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, which is now called the last days. If you wonder what the last days are, the last days started after the ascension. So this prophecy from Joel is covering time from this initial pouring out of the Holy Spirit all the way through to the final day of judgment when Jesus returns. Wow. That's a pretty good explanation of that. No, I'm serious. Because like I'm sitting here- Sorry, we all just got quiet. We're like- No, I'm sitting here imagining- Just thinking deep thoughts. Just thinking deep thoughts. I'm sitting here imagining like if the prophet Joel is sitting on mountain one, right? And he's looking ahead and he's seeing all these, you know, mountain peaks- in the distance, and if, if you can consider that like a timeline of the things that are coming ahead, he can see it all, doesn't know when it's going to happen, but he, could, he knows it's all coming. It's all there. Yeah. It, if you could stand alongside, you would see it more like a, like a timeline, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the language there, too, for, for what it's worth, it, the, a little nuance of this, the, the day of the Lord is the final judgment. But there are times when the prophets will say, some of that judgment came forward in a little way. So you'll actually see this in the Old Testament where they'll talk about you know, big events, you know, God, God the, when the temple's destroyed or things like that, they'll use similar language because they're kind of saying the, the ultimate final judgment when God comes and d- does it all, we're getting a little glimpse of that here and now. So you sometimes see that, but, but oftentimes that will shift to that weird long range view of like, and now I think we're suddenly talking about something that's, that's still to come, you know? Um, so I, I have a feeling that the audience there would have been more familiar with that because that is the Jewish way of doing prophecy. So we get confused by it because we're in a very like, here's how you write history. Here's how you write something. You do it very linear. You make sure you, you show that. This was their style of talking about that. So the people there wouldn't have been like, wait a minute, what are we talking about? Um, but yeah, it's confusing to us. And then you get some of the figurative language, which you often get in prophetic type stuff of uh, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Of course, obviously that is not now literal the sun will be turned to darkness the moon to blood these are these are apocalyptic prophetic type figurative language type phrases yep 
And so if everybody that was there knew that that kind of a language was associated with judgment and the coming of the Lord, it makes sense then that 21 says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like that's the conclusion. So because this is coming, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, Uh, which pretty naturally leads into the rest of yeah. the rest of it. And, and you also have to think about, so like the part that I summarized of the, the sermon, mm-hmm. um, he then goes on to say, look, we're talking about this guy who was crucified like 50 days ago. And he rose from the dead and went to the throne, which means if, if he's the king, like he's the guy who at this day of judgment is going to be calling the shots. Now is the time to get right with him. Like the people of this town crucified him. So some of you here might have been in that mob. Like some of these are travelers from outside or whatever, but they might've been there for Passover or they might've, you know, whatever. Like to, to say that guy that this city condemned and maybe some of you cheered on the crucifixion is now the guy who's sitting on the throne and going to judge. It's time to get right with him. Like you got you got to do business with him because the day of the Lord's coming. So like they go together in a way that we don't necessarily think of because we think of them spread apart. But if that's the event that just happened, the ascension of the king, well, then it actually is a really logical conclusion to say, well, prepare for judgment. Okay, we're going to move on to the first M in the comma method, which is message. And we're going to do a little theology today in the message. Uh, so let me, let me ask you guys this question. If I asked you, what is the book of Acts primarily about? I'll give you two options. Option A, the beginning of the Christian church. Option B, the Holy Spirit. It's a trap. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a trap. How, how do you most often hear the book of Acts talked about? If, you're, if someone said, what's the book of Acts? And you would say. It's, about it's the a story early, of the early church. Early church. That's yep. the easiest summary. Yep. You'd but, be more inclined to say it's the story of the early church than you would be. It is a description of what it means that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all mankind. Yeah. Okay. So this is where you get into some theological streams or differences. So let me let me go back to Acts chapter one here. And if you look if you look at Acts chapter one, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Luke is very specifically saying, All right, I already wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he's pointing out after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. So Luke, out of the gate, I'm going to make a case here that I don't necessarily fully buy into, okay? That the Holy Spirit had a part in it. On on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which we know is the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be my witnesses. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay. Now, scroll. we scroll forward to Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit is poured out. They're speaking in languages they've never learned. There's a wind. There's these tongues of fire that seem to be resting on people. And the people ask, after watching this, they're trying to, they're trying to figure it all out. And in verse 12, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? If you're doing Pentecostal theology, okay, which is a kind of church, right? You've probably heard of, people have heard of Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches. So 
they would point to verse 12 and say, this is the key question to understand the entire book of Acts. Like they would assert that the entire book of Acts is trying to answer this question. Like the whole depiction of what happened on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit coming, it's a setup to this question. What does this mean? Okay, well now read the rest of the book of Acts and it's gonna describe for you what this means. Now you get, now here is where, for, for those of you that ever wondered, like, what is the theological differences between like Pentecostals and Charismatics and like, what is Christ Community Church? And my experience, because I've bounced around a bunch of different churches, my experience is about 95% of all, the, all Christian denominations agree. And then it's that small, a small few percentage points. We have said it often on this podcast that narrative in the Bible describes, it doesn't necessarily prescribe. So it's just attempting to, to tell you what happened, not tell you that this is what should happen or this is what happens every time. Okay, Remember, we've, we've talked about this several times. Acts is narrative. If you approach Acts and say, everything in Acts is prescriptive. In other words, to, to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in your life means that everything that happened in the book of Acts should also happen in my life. You'd also have to say that every time the Holy Spirit does something like a violent wind needs to blow or tongues of fire need to rest on your head. But here's where the nuance comes in though. But it is true that people speak in tongues and it is true that prophecy happens and it is true that people see, have visions and dream dreams. And so you can't, Acts is very difficult because you, you can't walk cleanly down one road. You can't say the entire book of Acts is is essentially telling believers today what a spirit-filled life looks like. And you also can't throw it all out and say, no, this is only descriptive of something that happened at one point in history. I think both of those are theological mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you, if you get one, it's more the Pentecostal side of things. If you get the other, it's more the, what they call the cessationists. Those things have end, ended or they, they happened before, but they don't happen anymore. Yeah, it is, it is uh, one of those tricky ones because there, there's also something to the way the Holy Spirit works that that almost defies a little bit of the put it in the box. It always happens this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so there, there is some of that where you say, even within the book of Acts, there are, there are stories. We're going to see this where the Holy Spirit does something in a certain way, in a certain order, a certain timing. And then in a different story, it's different. And so there, there are things about it that even internal to the book of Acts suggest it's not always exactly like this. And yet, if you can't you can't read the book of Acts and not have some expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to move in some incredible ways, including many of these things. You know, can we can we talk about Nikki's question from earlier? Because I'm sure someone's still like wondering about this. So when people talk about tongues, like if I walked into a charismatic church and I heard someone speaking in tongues, um, I would expect it to be something that nobody who just happened to know a language would happen to know, right? Like that they wouldn't be able to know it because it's something supernatural. It's something you know, not not necessarily human language. And yet in this, it's clearly a, they, they identify languages, right? Like people from different groups who would have been speaking these different languages. So uh, what, what is it? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, Eric, because you wrote the book on the Holy Spirit. So <laughs> I wrote the book on the, the Holy Spirit. Book. I wrote that, a book that, on the Holy Spirit. The book I read about the Holy Spirit. That I think is ranked number 1,235,000 <laughs> in the pneumatology category on Amazon. Um, it's there. The fast answer is both. Uh have you guys ever experienced like heard speaking in tongues in a church service, like a ta- like a, ta- a message in tongues and then an interpretation? Yeah. Or- yes. 
have you ever experienced the fact that it was a human language that someone else in the room recognized it as a I've not, I've heard, I've heard people talk about that in experiences and, and sometimes it's uh, missionaries or people who are in, uh, you know, other places, but I've not heard of that. And I've not experienced that in a church, like where I was present. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So that happens. And there's Christians all over the world that will say it happens regularly. They'll be in a church service and they'll hear someone give a message in tongues, a language they did not learn. They can't even understand the words that they're speaking, but then someone else in the room will say, well, you just spoke perfect Russian or you just spoke perfect Chinese. And right. So that is the sign, the wonder of what the Holy spirit can do. Right. It, and it, it causes the same kind of reactions today that you see on the day of Pentecost, where some people are like amazed. Some are perplexed. Some say, what does this mean? Others make fun of it. Like it's the same reactions whenever these kinds of things happen. Uh, we also get indications from Paul in his new Testament writings uh, that when the Holy Spirit is praying in you and through you, that it often might be angelic, like angelic languages or groans and utterings that you don't know. And so maybe someone might be able to recognize it as a human language. You know, it's fun. What's fun these days is people will use Google Translate or other software packages to try to figure out like if, if they speak in tongues, like the gift of speaking in tongues, people will, will pray in tongues and see if Google Translate can identify the language. Can it? Some, for some people, it can. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move away from the weirdness of talking about people speaking in tongues and having Google translate it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of theology here for just a few more minutes, but this is not a theological podcast. Our goal on this podcast is to help people to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. Uh, but in this particular case, we I think it helps us to understand and apply God's word to undo a little bit of theology. So I already told you in verse 12, says the people were amazed and perplexed and they asked one another, what does this mean? Okay, so I'm gonna do a little Pentecostal theology for you right now. Acts chapter one starts with talking about the Holy Spirit and reminding us that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was coming and he told him to go wait in Jerusalem. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And Pentecostal theology would say the rest of Acts is trying to answer that question. What does this mean? And so as you read through Acts, you're going to find five separate occasions where the Holy Spirit is poured out on groups of people. And in every one of those circumstances, those people also speak in tongues. So the Pentecostal the theological conclusion is, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will by definition speak in tongues. So... In a, in a denomination like the Assemblies of God, they would say the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. If you do not speak in tongues, you have not received the second, what they would consider the second work of the Holy Spirit, which is this infilling. They would say, if you do not speak in tongues, you have not received the second work of the Holy Spirit, which is baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is, in a nutshell, Pentecostal theology. What that theology is doing is it's taking Acts and it's saying it's not just descriptive. It's not just describing what happened. It is also being prescriptive. It is prescribing what must always happen from that point going forward. That is not the only way to read the book of Acts. Okay, Faithful Christians disagree on these things. Um, so now I'm going to pitch it over to Clayton. So Clayton, give us the other way to read the book of Acts. Yeah, so one of the things you notice about those moments where uh, the Holy Spirit falls on people and they, they speak in tongues, 
um, is each of those moments is a place where a cultural boundary has been crossed. So one of the themes of the book is a, a book of Acts is that um, people who are not Jewish and who are of these different cultural groups are now included in the people of God because of Jesus. And so each time one of those barriers gets crossed, it's kind of, you have to understand there's a resistance from the people who are already in saying, oh, we're Jews. Can we let Samaritans in? Like normally we, we think of them as enemies. Can we let Gentiles in? They're not even, they don't even claim to be Jewish. Like, and so each time one of those types of barriers gets crossed, one of the things that that God does to show that the Holy Spirit really has come upon this group and they do actually belong to the church, they do actually need to be welcomed in, is by giving them a, another, like another Pentecost, like another moment like this to say, you're, the, the, like these Samaritans are receiving the same gift of the Spirit that you're giving. So you can't exclude them because obviously they're experiencing what you experienced that first day on Pentecost. And when the Gentiles come in, the same thing happens and so on. So, uh, it's not um, that this always must happen. It is one of a descriptive thing of when these groups came in, they all spoke in tongues at those events, um, which doesn't mean um, no one ever speaks in tongues, but it doesn't mean that every time someone comes to faith and, or receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they will speak in tongues. Uh, it was very important for them to do those at these occasions, though. And so that would be the other way of doing it. And some of that also comes from reading the rest of the New Testament. So like, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he talks about tongues, he talks about prophecy, he talks about these things, and he very clearly says, do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? And the point he's making is, no, not everybody has the same gifts. So um, it, he's not saying nobody does those things. So the people who say this doesn't happen, um, it, it's really difficult to make a case from Paul that, that he believed that. Um, but he's, Paul also seems to say some people do and some people don't for those things, um, which when you read that, you go back to Acts and you say, somehow I've got to square these two, two statements. So if you attend Christ Community Church and you're wondering, well, what does our church believe? The answer would be some people do and some people don't. So like, do we believe in speaking in tongues? Yes. And there are people on staff that speak in tongues and some that don't. And there are people who serve in our church that speak in tongues and some that don't. So it's a, some do and some don't. Just like any other gift or manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Do all people teach? No. Some do and some don't. Do all people prophesy? No. Some do and some don't. We get weird with tongues because as we said at the beginning, it does seem a little bit, it's the one that seems a little bit more weird. It's like the category of, Speaking in tongues or healing, uh, it, it's the ones that we would tend to classify as more supernatural is, is where we kind of go off the rails a little bit. But uh, Acts, is, Acts is describing something for us that happened. But now let's, let's come back to Acts chapter two, the text that we're talking about. Uh, we're on the M, the first M in the comma method, which is message. So if we're just looking at this text, what message would you draw from it? Uh, I haven't come up with how Eric would call it a, a, a pithy statement. Um, but I think for me, the, the meaning of this text is to show the significant power of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives as Christians. You know, we, I think we easily... Uh, think of what well, we've. I've, I'm. I. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. And then the Holy Spirit is this like distant thing over here that we hear people talk about, but we don't uh, really have any kind of connection to. But the the fact of the matter is that if we have you know confessed 
uh, that we believe in Jesus and we've surrendered our lives to him, then that Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And it's like Jesus said, like, the advocate is going to be there to remind you of all the things that I've said and to teach you all the things that you're going to need to know. And you're going to, it's going to help you to testify about me. He, he is the, the third person of the Trinity that helps us to live out our Christian faith, uh, revealing things to us through his word and stuff. So it's, to me, it's, it's, it shows the significant power of the Holy Spirit. It reminds us that we need him. He is that, that third person of the Trinity that we need in our lives. For my message, I'm, I'm torn between two, two themes I keep uh, getting drawn to here. Uh, one is the the emphasis on all, you know, all the, all, all the different kinds of people. Um, and, and for that, I, I feel like it's a message, something uh, like it, it really doesn't matter who you are, who the world thinks you are. The power of God can live in you. Like there, there's, there's something really incredible to say, like the, 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 the young men and the old men, the men and the women, like in different cultural contexts, at least one side of those equations, someone would write them off. Uh, they're too old to be useful, or they're too young to be to, to to have any influence, or they're 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 a woman. So they what like so there are all all sorts of places where some of those groups somebody's going to say, you know, what? I'm not expecting them to do great things, but to say that the Holy Spirit is at work in all of them, uh, that that anybody uh, of any of those categories uh, who comes to faith in Jesus has the power of the Holy Spirit. That's really an incredible truth. Um, the other one that maybe this is just for me personally um, is the uh, amazed and bewildered part. Like I, I feel like the reaction of the Holy Spirit does things and it breaks your categories and confuses you, but also amazes you, um, is something I really need. Like I said, I'm, I'm like a guy who likes things in order. I like a good plan. I like, you know, a spreadsheet is a beautiful thing to me. Um, but to, to say, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a person of, uh, of the Godhead who comes and sort of, uh, bust out of those things. And sometimes it leaves you a little confused. Um, I kind of need that. So that's, that's, that's the other message for me personally. Uh, my message is from verse 41, about 3000 were added to their number that day. Hmm. Uh, so it, it makes me think about Peter. Just think about Peter who preaches this amazing sermon after the Holy spirit gets poured out, compare Peter after the Holy spirit gets poured out to Peter who wouldn't even identify himself with Jesus Yeah, that's big. just a few months earlier. And so it's a, for me, it's an illustration of when Jesus tells him it's better for you if I go, cause I'm going to send you the helper. Uh, and then he even says, don't even start. Like I'm sending you on mission. Don't even start until I go wait in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy spirit to come. Then the Holy spirit comes and this is the Peter you get. And the results you see from that are remarkable. All right, so let's move on to meditation, which is prayerful thinking. And for today's meditation, uh, we're going to use the question that is asked in verse 12. So during the podcast, we give 45 seconds for a meditation. And so we're going to ponder this question. It says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean?
Okay, so now we're going to move on to the A in the comma method, which is application. What is your guys' application of this text today? Uh, I'm going off of, of my message. Um, I, I think it kind of falls in the same category, too. Like, I I think, you know, like, when I pray, it's sometimes a, it's it's normal to say, to start my prayers by saying, you know, God or Father or Jesus, right? But, like, um, to just be more intentional, like, talk to the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, if I'm reading a passage in the Bible, like, Holy Spirit, like, open my eyes and illuminate, like, what what you want me to get out of this. You know what I mean? Or Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, like, remind me of, you know, your goodness. Like, it's just, it's just kind of, I, I just maybe being more intentional of knowing that that is a part of, he is a part of God that is important to my walk with, with him. Like, I need it. So, um, just, just giving him more time and attention, I think. And, and I know I say that weird as if it's like, he's this separate person, but it, they're all one, but there is this, you know, there's this, this thing to it. I know it's, it's very weird. Clayton can probably explain that better, but that, that's, that's mine. My application with the, the whole, uh, you know, amazed and bewildered, the amazed and perplexed idea is, is, is really simple. It's, to actually be open and not just open, but invite the Holy Spirit to do those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, when you're, you're, you're someone who likes order and, and things like that to, to say, no, actually I'm open Holy Spirit for you to do things that amaze me and surprise me, um, is a really good discipline because sometimes if you're a routine sort of person, you just keep going and you don't, you don't expect, you don't look, um, and you don't invite that sort of thing. Obviously the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. So he could surprise you even when you don't invite it, but there's something really good to that posture. So you're actually in charge here. Um, and if you break out of my plan, um, it's, it, my plan is not the most important thing you are and, and what you, you have going on here. My application is that a life empowered by the person and work of the Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus. And it's really fun. Um, if you think about Peter's sermon, like the Holy Spirit falls, people ask what the heck is going on. And Peter delivers this powerhouse sermon about Jesus being the center point of human history and 3000 people experience salvation that day. And so a, a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit brings great glory to Jesus and you get the thrill of your life impacting other people's lives for, for all eternity. And so uh, my application is just to remember that the best kind of life is one that is lived in a way where other people are entering the kingdom of, kingdom of God. That's awesome, guys. All right, well, friends, that is all that we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you are not flying along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.